How's it going? This is Scott Fish. I co-host a podcast called the Commission Impossible Podcast with Ryan McDowell. We don't exactly go over player values or dynasty trades or potential or rankings or mock drafts, and we usually don't even have guests. We just like to talk about commissioner stuff, so that's what you get. You can learn about lots of different scoring systems, uh, interesting rules, settings, how to set up your playoffs, how to determine draft order, how to determine rookie auction values, things like that. Stuff that commissioners might be interested in, like rivalries or rolling bank rolls or salary caps. We also answer commissioner questions. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, check us out. It's a pretty good listen. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Oh, there is no Matt Price this week. Episode 503 of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. And Ryan, it's just you and me this week. Just us, another priceless episode, as you always say. Uh-huh. Matt, Matt takes a lot of vacations, Dan. Yeah, yeah, he's got it rough, huh? He's got to live in the high life as a zookeeper, I guess. Um, but we'll trudge along. We'll we'll continue on without him. Um, great show this week. We got a question of the week. We're talking ADP, uh, tools of the trade, um, and then we're gonna talk some trade as well. So lots to get to for sure. But first, the startup. Yeah, we start every episode off with the biggest thing happening in Dynasty right now. And Ryan, I don't know about you, but there was a big game on Sunday night. I don't know if we can kick off with anything other than that. Yeah, yeah, I, I caught that game. Um, we've we've said it in in some previous episodes over the past few weeks, but uh, really more than most Super Bowls I can remember, that game had a lot of Dynasty implications. Um, you know, well, the, of course, the I think the primary one is is probably the Odell Beckham injury, uh, but but a couple other interesting things in that game as well. It's it's hard to start anywhere other than Cooper Cup, though. Yeah, Cooper Cup, the MVP of the game, eight catches, ninety two yards, and two scores. We're gonna cover him in a few minutes in the ADP section of the show, but. Just let's just take a moment to, you know, we've, we've all talked so much about the elite season that he had and, and how great he was for all of our dynasty teams. But, you know, Cooper Cup's an awesome guy on and off the field. He, he's, a, he's a leader for that team. He's certainly somebody you want your son to grow up to be like or your daughter to grow up to, to date or marry a guy like him. Um, just such a great guy. Listening to his interviews after the game, he talked about how when they lost to the Patriots a few years ago, he saw himself getting back to this game and becoming the MVP, and he couldn't tell anybody except his wife about that. And, you know, just so many great stories about that Rams team. The Rams, of course, win the game 23-20, to and it was an exciting game. Lots of Lots of things we could talk about, but Cooper Cup, man, that guy, I, I can't believe it. <laughs> We're kind of disappointed when he goes eight for ninety-two. The two touchdowns are great, but you know, we, I kind of expected one hundred and forty yards or something like that, Ryan. Well, I mean, they they waited until the fourth quarter, really, almost that last drive before they they really unleashed him. I think he had three catches going into that 
uh, that final drive that they uh, they took the lead in and uh, more than doubled his his output in that game or in the, on that one drive for the game. Uh, you just think about what what kind of stat line he could have had if they had really been throwing him the ball all game long. I think there were a lot of storylines coming out of the game, and a lot of them have di- dynasty ramifications, as you were saying. Um, one of the things I really thought throughout the game is, is both coaches made made pretty critical mistakes. Joe Mixon was rolling through that game, averaging nearly five yards a carry, and his last touch of the game came with like 6.20 left on the clock. Samaje P. Ryan touched the ball on a on a critical third and run one late in the game on that final drive. Where was Joe Mixon on that play? And, and you know, he like I said, he was rolling. And we just didn't see nearly enough of Mixon. I also thought that Sean McVay made some mistakes. He he completely g- went away from the running game for good reason, probably. They they averaged 1.9 yards per carry and they had a lot of problems. Uh, finding any running room against that Cincinnati front. But once Beckham went down, Ryan, they seemed like they were a one-trick pony. They only had Cooper Cup, who was getting double-teamed, and then they waited so long to just force him the football, which is what they really should have been doing throughout the game. Yeah, that that one trick proved to be enough, ultimately, for the Rams, of course. But uh, the Mixon thing is really interesting. I looked back, and it had kind of become... Uh, you know, a storyline, I think the way they've used Mixon, Mixon on third down. And um, I mean, Samaj P. Ryan's a, a fine player, a solid backup, but I mean, Mixon can catch the ball, right? This guy has proven in his, in his four or five year career, five year career that he can be an asset in the passing game as well. And um, I, I don't know, Dan. I mean, I can't watch a game, and, and I don't know how well, how good of a pass blocker he is. Maybe that's a concern because their offensive line is already below average. So maybe that's what it is, uh, pushing Mixon off the field. But I, I just don't get it. In, in four playoff games, he had two touches. Joe Mixon had two touches on third down in four games. Mm. Um, both Chris Evans and Samaj P. Ryan had more fantasy points not only in the playoffs, but across the whole season than, than Joe Mixon on third down. But the weird thing is this, this feels like a new thing uh, to me at least. But if you look at, at the historical numbers through Mixon's career, he acts actually set a new career high in fantasy points on third down this year. He had 22 and a half hmm. fantasy points. That's the most he's ever had on third down alone across the season. Uh, he had 48 targets, 42 catches, 314 yards on the season. That's not just third down numbers. That's total. And that 314 yards is a new career high. 48 targets, 42 catches, uh, second best in his career. Like, this guy can catch the ball. I just don't know why we're why we're involving Samaj P. Ryan so much. Again, yeah, it's not like Samaj P. Ryan is is a up-and-coming star or somebody that we're we're looking forward to seeing more of. We, we've seen enough of him already. It's almost as if they feel like Mixon needs a break, so they had to create a certified every, every down-and-distance role for a secondary player, and it didn't matter what kind of situation the team was in, which is a, which is a massive coaching mistake if that's the case. 
you mentioned, you know, maybe he's not the pass blocker. Samaje Pirine didn't appear to be much of a pass blocker late in that game either. Uh, middle linebacker blitz, and he, he bounced right off the guy, and the guy gets a sack. So, you know, I want my best player getting the ball. I want my best player on the field. And, you know, I love Joe Burrow. I, I absolutely love Jamar Chase. But there's a case to be made still that Joe Mixon is the best football player, best playmaker on that offense. He showed that throughout this season, many times throughout his career. I, I can't imagine why he wasn't on the field uh, for the fourth and one in the first quarter at midfield when, when Samaj P. Ryan got stuffed. And then late in the game, again, it, it was it was questionable at best. There, there was uh, another dynasty asset, Ryan, that kind of came out of nowhere in the game. It was Bryson Hopkins who many of us had kind of forgotten about. And I I know there's a lot of truthers out there still. A lot of guys that really love Bryson Hopkins um, coming out of college. But he shows up. Of course, we had injuries kind of mounting for the Rams throughout that game and and leading up to the game. Uh, Tyler Higbee missed the ball game, of course. And then OBJ goes down the second string tight end as well. Forgive me, I forgot his name. Uh, he goes down, typically a blocking guy, but Hopkins played a lot in the second half and looked like a nice check down off option. Yeah, he really did. That was that was Kendall Blanton, the um, thank you, the backup to Higby, who also suffered a, uh, I believe it was a shoulder injury that uh, cost him the the most most of the game. Uh, but yeah, Bryson Hopkins, interesting player. He was the guy that um, that we kind of liked coming out of college a couple years ago. Landed, of course, with the Rams, seemed to be buried behind Higby and Gerald Everett uh, and and really did nothing as a rookie. I know I had at least a little bit of hope for Hopkins uh, a year ago when Everett moved on as a free agent and moved over to Seattle. I, I thought maybe at, at the very least Hopkins could assume that tight end two role and uh, and, you know, they they use a lot of two tight end sets. At least they didn't over the past couple of years. Uh, but he didn't really do anything. I, I believe he caught one pass all season during the regular season. And of course, four for 47 in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, probably worth a stash if you, if you're in the tight end premium league and, uh, maybe your rosters, maybe your rosters expand in the off season. If, if you've got room, you could do worse than picking up Bryson Hopkins. Hopkins' dad, of course, was the uh, off- uh, Pro Bowl offensive lineman for the Tennessee Titans, Brad uh, Brad Hopkins. So, you know, it's in his blood. He's got, he's got a little bit of that pedigree, and he's a, you know, he's an athletic guy, a guy that's supposed to s- spread the field and get up the seam, and he can spread around the formation. That's what we all thought of him coming out, in, uh, coming out of college. But it just hasn't happened to this point. I know at Purdue, he he was a seam stretcher and a playmaker uh, for the Boilermaker. So I I had high hopes for him, but we haven't seen him get a chance until some random Sunday uh, in February in, in 2022. Uh, turned out to be a nice game for Bryson Hopkins. Maybe that's a stepping stone for the rest of his career, those, those four catches for 47 yards. Uh, overall, great playoffs. Ryan, we had, the last seven games of this postseason oh, yeah. was so much fun to watch. Lots of great football, lots of dynasty topics. I don't, is there anything else we need to cover coming out of Super Bowl Fifty Six? Uh, probably just a little Cam Akers uh, conversation. Okay. He, uh, 
certainly did not look good. Didn't really look good throughout the entire playoffs. You know, it's tough to say in, in, in the Super Bowl specifically, how much of that is due to the Bengals, um, defense because I mean, Daryl Henderson, Sony Michelle did not, uh, did not exactly succeed either. It was, it was the entire run game getting shut down by Cincinnati. Uh, I'm still, I mean, uh, Regarding Cam Akers, I'm still giving him credit for even getting back on the field. I still have high expectations for him. I'm still valuing him uh, very highly uh, moving into the offseason. So no major concern, but I wish we could have seen a, a little bit more, at least one or two you know, wow plays throughout this playoff run. Yeah, we probably didn't get the wow play. There were glimpses of the burst returning that, you know, he shot through the line of scrimmage a couple times in the postseason. Just 13 carries and only 21 yards rushing in the Super Bowl. Like you mentioned, Daryl Henderson, not much better. Four for seven. Sony Michelle, two for two. The the questionable thing for me coming out of the Super Bowl when it comes to Akers is he caught three passes for 14 yards, but none of them were really downfield. He, he was that swing right. pass, uh, check down option, and he made a man miss on one of those. That was fine. Daryl Henderson, on the other hand, he was targeted down the field multiple times. He, he had uh, got locked up with a linebacker down the left sideline, made a nice play on that one. Same thing down the right sideline, caught a back shoulder throw, and it looks to me like they prefer him as the pass catcher. Uh, Akers, of course, came out of college, Ryan, as a pass-catching running back, a guy that could contribute in that way. And it just hasn't really happened to this point in his career. Didn't do it much as a rookie. And then after he returned following that big knee injury, we didn't get a chance to see it either. That could be just them them managing his touches and managing what, what they're asking of him. Um, we'll have to see as that plays out next season. Uh, finally from the Super Bowl, the halftime show, Ryan. Thumbs up, thumbs down, best you've ever seen. What do you got to say about it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm an old guy, so yeah, absolutely, thumbs up. I enjoyed it. You know, some of the some of the uh, performers that I remember from high school and college. So yeah, I absolutely loved it. Every, I think everybody my age did. Yeah, yeah, I'm only a few years younger than you, and uh, one of the best I've ever seen. I Man, I enjoyed every little piece of it. For sure. Uh, but we should probably move on. You down with ADP? Yeah, you know me. Yeah, you know us. We always down with ADP, Ryan. And uh, there's there's so many different ways we can go with this segment. I love talking ADP with you especially because you collect that ADP every single month. Uh, this week, we thought it'd be fun to talk about aging elite wide receivers. So... You know, there's so many guys that pop to mind right away, especially Devontae Adams, still a still a first-round target in startups. Uh, 29 years old, though, just turned 29, in fact. And everybody's kind of wondering, when's he going to be over the hill? New contract in Green Bay, will he hit free agency? Does he get the franchise tag? There's a lot to digest when it comes to Devontae Adams especially. So when we're talking about aging elite wide receivers, and I know you dug into the history of these 29-year-old wide receivers, what do we think of Devontae Adams going into 2023? Well, first of all, I'm I'm surprised to see him still in the first round. Uh, Me too. You, you look, at, uh, look at ADP, this is again from... Uh, from January, so it's last month, and, and for the record, normally we begin collecting that ADP at the very beginning of each month. 
This month we have waited because we uh, we're waiting for the rookies to be included. So that ADP process collection process will begin very soon, and 2022 rookies will be involved once uh, once we have that data for you. So that'll be there soon. Right now we're looking at January data, and yeah, Adam's still hanging around. In the first round, you see DK Metcalf and Jalen Waddle, a couple of those elite running backs we like, Dalvin Cook and, and Alvin Kamara. They're aging as well, but they're they're all below him. Debo Samuel and Cooper Cup, both below him as well. A, a lot of surprises. Ultimately, I would say, I think this will be the last time we see Devontae Adams in round one of DLF ADP moving forward. This is it. Um, when you look at... When you look at the history of those uh, those veteran wide receivers, 29-year-old wide receivers, there's only been four 29-year-old wide receivers who have ever shown up in the first round of DLF Dynasty ADP, and this, this spans uh, basically 10 years at this point. We've got Antonio Brown, A.J. Green, Brandon Marshall, and Calvin Johnson. So it hasn't happened since the end of the 2018 season. That was Antonio Brown. And obviously, we—I mean—we know what the story is going to be here. All four of those players lost pretty significant value over that next year. If you fast forward from the last month that they were in the top twelve, a year, uh, a year beyond that, Antonio Brown—he had some other issues. He goes—he goes from the first round overall to wide receiver seventy-two. AJ Green, not a huge fall. Uh, wide receiver seventeen, still a third rounder. Brandon Marshall hung around. He was the wide receiver 33 and a fifth rounder. And Calvin Johnson uh, retired, was still being drafted. Wide receiver 90 overall. There were still some believers out there, I guess, hoping he would uh, he would change his mind. But um, the, the clear and, and kind of obvious picture here is that these guys are going to lose value. So this time of year, it becomes a almost a, a battle of value versus production. Uh, we still think Devonte Adams is going to produce, even with the questions that you mentioned. We we don't know who his quarterback is going to be, or even what team he's going to be playing for. But we still love the talent. Uh, what we don't love is the age. And uh, do I want him as a first rounder or, or even a second rounder, knowing that kind of his upside and value a year from now is to be a third or, or fourth rounder? I, I would look elsewhere, even if I know I'm losing a couple fantasy points a game, I'm taking a younger player at that range. Yeah, and it might even be more than a couple fantasy points per game. We, we see sure. Devontae have multi-touchdown games and come in as a, as a top two or three wide receiver in fantasy scoring year in and year out. But, you know, if, if you – so there's two ways to look at this with Devontae Adams specifically. One's that startup philosophy. When are you willing to take him? I think I can speak for you, Ryan. You're probably never taking Devontae Adams. He'll never slip low enough for you to make that kind of investment. You said you wouldn't in the first or the second. I'd I'd venture to guess there's plenty of third-round guys that you're going to take in a startup over Devontae Adams. So we got to quickly take that to the trade value. If if you have Devontae Adams on your team, Ryan, right now, and you see that, wow, he's still in the top 12 overall in dynasty value, according to ADP, how low are you willing to go to move off of him? I know it probably depends a little bit on on team composition and how you expect to perform in the coming years, next year or two. But there's a point where you're selling Devontae, and it's probably right now, right? Sure. I mean, I always look at it as, and I just 
I call it buying years. So if I can, if I can trade an older player, uh, and Devonta Adams is, is a good example of that right now for a for a younger player who I expect to perform at about the same level. Again, even if I'm losing a point or two per game, uh, I, I'm willing to do that to buy back those years. I mentioned DK Metcalf was uh, below Adams in ADP and and the disclaimer ADP is not a trade tool. We know that. But if if that's the type of trade that's out there, if that's a possibility uh, that that's a pretty easy decision for me. That's a slam dunk. There's a handful of other names below him. Jalen Waddell, Debo oh, yeah. Samuel, T. Higgins. Uh, you could probably even dig as deep as, as going across positions uh, into the third round. Guys like uh, uh, Deontay Johnson and Mark Andrews at tight end. Antonio Gibson, you get down there even a little bit farther and names like Devontae Smith start coming up. And if, if you're going to take one of those young receivers like Devontae Smith, you can get another player potentially on the trade market that's in that same range, that same value on top when you're dealing a guy like Devontae Adams. So, you know, really it comes down to are you going to ride it out or are you going to try to cash in while you can? Yeah, and that's the tough decision. And We're talking startup value versus trade value and uh, building a team versus an established team. And, and there's there's so many uh, so many pieces going into the dynamic of what is a a player's real value. And, and that's why that's why it can be deba- debated. We can't just look at trade value. We can't just look at ADP or, or, or any of those things. We kind of have to factor them all in together. I, I will just kind of wrap up the Devonte Adams conversation with this. I was a guest on a podcast last week and they had a, an on the clock segment. You're in a dynasty startup draft. You're on the clock. Your two choices. And these were the only two choices I was given Devonte Adams or Rashad Bateman. And I still took Adams. I still took Adams. I'm surprised. But it was at least a question. <laughs> it was a question. Oh, that's a tough one for sure. Uh, a guy that's considered to be younger, probably by most dynasty managers, but isn't really. It's Cooper Cup. He is. He's almost 29. He's getting there. Of course, he mm-hmm. was a he was an aged rookie, right? He he came out. I think he was 24 when he was a rookie. He's now halfway through his age 28. Uh, year and just a few months before behind Devonte Adams, but coming off that career season, currently the 18th pick in startup ADP at wide receiver 10. Him and and Stephon Diggs, who also just turned 28, uh, he's a second round pick as well, Ryan. So these guys are are maybe just a few months away from turning that corner, and we're going to be talking about these guys as well, still valued very highly. So is there a, a lot of different advice you'd be giving a Cup or Diggs manager than you just gave for an Adams manager? Not really. Uh, not really. I mean, we're talking about, um, especially in Cup's, uh, Cup's case, just a few months difference between he and, and Adams uh, when we look at their age. And again, this is – this is not a production conversation. This is not us saying these guys are falling, you know, falling off a cliff and trade them while you can. It's just the admission and the understanding that they're, they're going to lose some value over the next year. We just don't see uh, it's very rare. And and Adams is an example. It's so rare to see a 29 year old player in the first round or even uh, even a 29-year-old wide receiver 
as a as a wide receiver one as one of those top 12 guys i mentioned the uh the five players who have been uh first rounders as 29 year olds it was Devonte adams is the fifth brown antonio brown aj green brandon marshall calvin johnson beyond those players there's only five other wide receivers who have even been wide receiver ones at age 29, even top 12 wideouts. So that was Adam Thielen, um, DeAndre Hopkins, Jordy Nelson, Julio Jones, and Keenan Allen. So for the most part, we're talking about you know some of the best wide receivers we have seen over the past over the past 10 years, and I, I, we need to decide: is Cooper Cup and, and uh, Stefan Diggs? going to put themselves in that conversation where a year from now when they're uh, when they're nearly 30 in cups case and and just turning 29 in Diggs' case could they be top 12 wide receivers i think in cups case honestly he can uh, it, it would be especially after what we have seen uh, through this playoff run and really this entire season it would be tough for me to trade cooper cup i mean this is a player that's a top three, top five pick in early 2022 redraft leagues. So uh, those those people participating in those leagues are, and those are those are really the the degenerates, right? Those are the ones that we kind of want to follow. They're showing us what they expect from Cooper Cup already, and uh, you know, despite all the talk after the Super Bowl, Matthew Stafford's not going anywhere. I don't think Sean McVay's going anywhere either. They're going. They're going to run it back, and with with Beckham and with Woods both potentially not there, we might even see more targets for Cooper Cup somehow. And it's not outlandish to have those kind of expectations when it comes to Cup, because especially with him, it feels. And maybe I'm off base with this. When you watch Cooper Cup play, he's not wowing us with his leaping ability or his his overall. Um, size or speed or strength or anything like that. He it's it's all a mind melt between him and his quarterback and really his head coach as well. There were times in the Super Bowl, just within the last couple of days, where you saw Cooper Cup make a catch, and you know it was a it was like a deep over route or an in route behind a. Uh, a tight end who had turned around and, and the quarterback Stafford is standing in the pocket, staring down that tight end and no look passes uh, into a, into a window the size of two footballs to Cooper cup. And it's a, it's a game changing play. And that's the kind of, he has that kind of trust. And th- those two are sharing a brain on the football field. Those things don't just go away overnight. And I, I think the closest thing I can relate the Cooper cup, Matthew Stafford thing is probably Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson, of course, wasn't a physical freak or anything like that, but he knew exactly what Rodgers wants, and he did it every single time, and that's how he had those wide receiver one seasons. That's why his name was listed as a 29-year-old that we all wanted on our dynasty rosters. And he continued to put up numbers until he left Green Bay at age 31, I think it was. So, uh, you know, there's... There's reason to believe that Cup is going to put up those kind of numbers once again next season, barring injury. Stefan Diggs, on the other hand, Ryan, and you can give me your opinion as well, I'm a little bit more leery when it comes to his because he is re- relying on that that physicality and that, that ability to, to break at the top of his routes to create that separation. That's what Diggs does so well. And those are one of the things that wide receivers especially start losing as they get towards 30 and especially 31. 
Well, Diggs already really had his his step back, right? I mean, his Diggs' ascension yeah. was a year ago. Uh, he was um, twenty twenty seven at that point, so it was even rare to see that a twenty seven year old wide receiver gain value like Diggs did. Uh, but for him to move up and then have the, you know, I won't call it a disappointing year for sure, but um, was not able to repeat that 2020 season in, in his production and, and efficiency. He has fallen back to the to the pack slightly. He's still wide receiver 13 overall, and he's still a top 24 pick in our dynasty ADP. So certainly has uh, a, a ton of value still. And I want to go back to that list of four wide receivers who have been first rounders because we had a couple of uh, a couple of strange ones who kind of throw off the data. I mentioned Calvin Johnson retired. Obviously, uh, we know what what's going to happen to his value. Antonio Brown, that's when he was uh, dealing with some of those off-field issues. There was uncertainty if he was even going to play. So, I think we can kind of throw that data out. AJ Green was still a third rounder. Brandon Marshall was still a fifth rounder and that's a year after they were first round picks. So what's the expectation for Devonte Adams next year? And, and we can throw Cooper cup in this, in this conversation as well. I think worst case, they're still going to be, let's say fourth round picks, you know, maybe, maybe fifth round picks. That's where Brandon Marshall was. So if I get a year of high end wide receiver one production, and they're still worth a fifth rounder, which means I could potentially trade them for a future first round pick, a first round rookie pick. That that is a gamble worth taking. Um, I don't I don't know that you're going to get a huge discount, especially on Cup. But if if there are any ageist um, like me out there that are panicking, it's time to take advantage. Yeah, it's time to take advantage if you can. And we got to move on, of course. But, you know, this conversation could have lasted the whole episode, really. Uh, and, you know, as you look down the ADP and you start thinking about one year of Adams or one year of Cup and then trade out a year from now or get, you know, invest in one of these young wide receivers or even a young young running back, guys like Elijah Moore or um, or... Amon Ross St. Brown, somebody like that, and then get a pile of draft picks or a pile of other other useful assets on top right now. If in a year that wide receiver, that aging guy like Cup or Adams drops in value and one of those young guys really moves up, you could be sitting there with the more valuable of the wide receivers plus all the draft picks or or the additional young players. You know, so it's a, a difficult decision to make. And usually for me, Ryan, I'll leave it at this is my team tells me which way to go on that. If if I'm not a true contender, if I don't feel I'm I'm a championship level quality team, I'm trying to make the move right now rather than waiting. Although what you said about Cup and what I said as well, I feel like it's repeatable. I feel it's likely to be repeatable, and that's difficult to pass up on having in your roster. Because as a as a guy who does not manage a roster with Cooper Cup, every week of football stunk because I was always playing against him, and rooting against Cooper Cup is not a lot of fun. 
Before we move on, we should talk about our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. I played a bunch of Monkey Knife Fight over the weekend, Super Bowl weekend, and it was a blast. If you guys have played DFS in the past, your experience over at Monkey Knife Fight is going to be so much different. You're not going to compete against those professional players. Or you're not working against those uh, time-consuming salary caps with Monkey Knife Fight. You choose from easy, uh, unique games including the the most popular game more or less contests where you can bet on if your favorite player is going to have more or less of a projected stat than than predicted uh you can play these games for football i know that's wrapped up but also the other major sports as well as golf ufc nascar and so much more so you should sign up for a new account over at monkey knife fight uh, with a first-time deposit, and you're going to receive a full year of DLF Premium for free. In addition, Monkey Knife Fight is going to match the deposit total up to $100 with the promo code DLF. That's all you got to do. Your DLF subscription will be set up right away within 36 hours, and you'll have access to everything we have to offer. So go to DynastyLeagueFootball.com, click on the image for Monkey Knife Fight, and follow the instructions to get started today. Let's hear from the listeners. It's time for the question of the week. Yeah, I like de- debuting new segments of the show. Uh, wish we could do it every single week, Ryan. This week it's the question of the week, and it comes from Kurt on Twitter. Kurt wrote that he needs a second running back to compete for a title in 2022. He targeted a current rebuild team that desperately needs wide receiver help, and multiple picks could help him get there, he thought. So, What do you think of his trade offer? He's going to send Rashad Penny, the 108, and the 109 for DeAndre Swift. On the surface, Ryan, this looks so good. There's a lot to really digest here. First, let's talk about the trade itself. Penny, the 8 pick, the 9 pick for DeAndre Swift, that's a legitimate offer. That's something that somebody might might accept when they see it in the inbox. What are your thoughts? Yeah, certainly a fair offer, and, and you're right. There's a lot to kind of dig into here. But uh, on the offer itself, um, I don't typically like to buy running backs at uh, at their peak, and and I don't know if Swift is necessarily at his peak. Uh, you know, he's still early in his career, but he's he's been RB two, RB three in our dynasty ADP over the past few months. So obviously, has gained a ton of value. That being said. Rashad Penny is honestly not a player I I trust to stay healthy. We don't know where he's playing next year. So while he's gained some value over the past few months, uh, a few weeks really, especially as, as the season regular season wrapped up, we don't even know where he's playing. So so now you're giving two mid mid first rounders. Maybe that's Chris Olave and you know David Bell. That's kind of wider that that wide receiver two range or that second tier of wide receivers. I like the trade. I I think you're getting a, a first round dynasty startup asset for three dart throws, honestly. Yeah. Questionable assets. I'm so glad you summed it up with that. I thought at the beginning uh, you were going the other way and I'm for sure buying Swift in this offer. In fact, I, I think it's, Although it's possible that this trade could go through and and the other manager could say, oh, look at those draft picks. With the, I would say, negativity surrounding this year's draft class, Ryan. Mm -hmm. And some of that is dissipating maybe just a little bit as we get closer to draft season and we, we, we start to take a look at these players throughout the Senior Bowl and the Combine's right around the corner. We're going to be talking about them a lot. 
it, it doesn't feel like enough to make me as a DeAndre Swift manager palm the table and say, absolutely, I'm clicking accept right now. I might come back on that type of offer if I'm a true rebuild, though. Yeah, I think so. And we're kind of getting into the other pieces of, of Kurt's question. I think um, I think he did something very right. I think he did. He had a good idea in targeting that that rebuild team, and and looking for running backs from a rebuild team. Because if you if you are rebuilding and and you have a pretty good idea of what you're doing, you're probably moving all running backs of value, even, even a young guy like Deandre Swift. And, and of course that de- depends on how far away you are, you know, are, are you rebuilding for the 2023 20, season or are you looking even uh, more long-term than that? Um, but in general, I, I think this was a great idea from Kurt to target the rebuild team uh, when looking for running back help. And, and also having the multiple picks at his disposal, Thinking about this draft class, what's going to fall to him at the 108? He didn't say if this is super flex or, or what kind of scoring system or anything like that, but it's pretty safe to say that he's going to feel like the the sum of Penny and those two players in the mid to late part of the draft is significantly less than the value that Swift may bring if he's that true contender that he said he was one running back away from. That was the last part of the question that I want to want to talk to you about, Ryan. Kurt said, need a second running yeah. back to compete for a title in 22. It's a little early to make those kind of declarations. There's a lot of moving pieces in the NFL right now. Uh, throwing all your chips in this early in the offseason, is that something you typically say, yes, let's do that? Or, or do you like to hold back just a little bit uh, in general? Um. I like to hold back in general for for a couple reasons. That being said, I think this trade is enough of a slam dunk that if he can make this trade right now, I would do that. Now, separate of that, um, this is kind of where I think Kurt is is probably probably wrong on. Honestly, is is just thinking about the twenty twenty two season in that way. You know, Dan, you and I had a had a conversation last week off. Uh, off the air about mistakes that dynasty players make this time of year. And we talked about a lot of different things. One thing we mentioned was thinking about your 2022 lineup. Um, Now that doesn't mean you don't try to address weaknesses on your team. If you know, running back is a weakness, you can start thinking about how you can upgrade that position. Um, But making, making a trade with the, with the plan of contending almost a year from now, right? 10, 10 months from now, basically, uh, I think is, is just, just the wrong place to be right now. You know, work on collecting assets, work on uh, improving the, the overall talent of your team. But to think about your RB2 in, in February, uh, I, I think is, is probably the wrong way to go about it. Um, the, the other mistake or one of the other mistakes that we chatted about was Assuming that we know how the how the next few months are going to play out, right? Being being too confident, and that's not necessarily self confident. It's it's assuming that DeAndre Swift is is going to you know roll through the off season as an RB as a as a top two or three running back in dynasty. I mean, he certainly could, but we've seen we've seen some crazy things happen in the off season, and 
sometimes you just have to wait it out. You just have to wait and see what happens, not only in the things we know about, right, the draft and, and, and free agency, but those unexpected things that unfortunately pop up every, uh, every offseason. Yeah, go ask the Cam Akers manager uh, how how that worked if they if they made a big deal early in the off season last year to lock up that running back too. Uh, so many things do come up in general, though. Kurt slam dunk, you got to go for this deal if you can get him to hit accept. You should do it. Let's talk trade. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. We got a. It's time to talk tight ends, Ryan. We haven't talked a lot about them since uh, doing our tight end recap just before episode 500. So we thought it was a good time to bring it back. Just you and me talking on this one. So we're not gonna we're not gonna have to endure any Kyle Pitts talk on this episode of the podcast. Instead, it'll just be me and you. We're gonna try to target. A tight end on the trade market, if we're contending, each of us chose one tight end to go with. Uh, if you're if you're a contender right now, Ryan, is there a guy specifically that you're going to try to go get? If you, if you were rolling with Rob Gronkowski last year, you got by with one of those uh, tight ends that kind of played above their head like Hunter Henry. Is there a guy that you're looking to, to invest in this offseason? Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in targeting Dawson Knox. Um, the, of course, the Bills young tight end. I thought he had a, a, you know, he had a breakout season, even though not everything went his way. Uh, missed, I believe he missed three games with, uh, with injuries. And, and then had just a lot of competition on that team. Obviously, Stefan Diggs, but uh, of course, the, the veterans, Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders, we didn't, we didn't see as much of Gabriel Davis as maybe we would have liked uh, through most of the season, but lots of target competition on, on that team. And, uh, you know, we were, we were talking about Knox before the show, and he caught 49 balls this season. 49, that's it. Nine of those were for touchdowns. Uh, so Knox was 20th among all tight ends in targets, 18th among all tight ends in receptions, and tied for first in touchdowns. And at first that, uh, when I, when I noticed that, that almost made me kind of go away from Knox as, as a, as a buy target or as a player I was interested in. But the more I thought about it, I'm looking at that bill's offense. I think there's a really good chance that both Sanders and Cole Beasley are gone. We expect Gabriel Davis to play a larger role, but I see a pretty easy path for increased uh, targets for Dawson Knox. Uh, I don't know that that touchdown rate will stay uh, stay at, at the same clip, but that's okay. Um, he was the tight end 11 on the year, also the tight end 11 in our ADP. He is signed for just one more season, so that's um, that gives me a little pause. Definitely want him to stay connected to Josh Allen and to that offense. Um, but overall, I, I really like the price. Still uh, pretty easily attainable has not broken into that top tier of tight ends yet. So the, the price is not getting out of hand. What I really like about Knox is the quarterback and how they use him, especially around the goal line. You mentioned that maybe those nine touchdowns aren't, aren't repeatable, but I would argue that it, it may be 
just because of that quarterback and and because Allen is such a free spirit in that in that pocket, he's moving around and his his eyes are always downfield. When they're around the goal line, so many of those touchdowns and I'd like to go back and watch them all were second chance opportunities to Knox. That yeah. seems like it could be a repeatable uh, part of his game. Yeah, I think the nine touchdowns are certainly repeatable. Uh, basically, at at a twenty percent clip, you know, twenty percent of all all of his receptions being touchdowns. That that's probably not realistic. Um, you know, so I would I would like to see him uh, with increased targets, increased receptions, and and still certainly a chance for. Uh, nine or ten touchdowns moving forward. Of course, that doesn't even count that game against New England in the postseason. Five catches for 89 yards and two more touchdowns. So dynamic in the regular season when he's on the field, dynamic in the postseason as well. Like most tight ends, there were those dud games. A couple of uh, one for 17 and didn't find the end zone on that one grab. Uh, Those kind of games. But for the most part, he was either having big games, six catches for 80 yards, no touchdowns, or when he had that two-catch-for-11-yard game, it came with a score at the goal line, and he came through for you. Um, really just outside of the top 20 only a few times throughout the season at the tight end position. So a little bit of consistency to go along with that week-to-week upside. That's really what we want out of those tight ends when we don't have one of those top three or four guys. I went with Dallas Goddard, another guy that's similarly valued, Ryan. Um, currently the... Currently the tight end eight in ADP, 83 overall, Um, 56 catches, 830 yards and four touchdowns on 76 targets. And those numbers are kind of ho-hum. He finished 2021 as the tight end nine, but played just six regular season games after the Zach Ertz trade to Arizona. If you remember back to then, he he had a couple of big games following up that trade, five for 62 uh, had a six for 105 and two touchdowns, seven for 135, all within a four-week sp- stretch. That that was sandwiched around a zero-catch game on one target, where where we all said, "Oh, wait, this same old Dallas Goddard, we can't really trust him." But overall, Ryan, four top 12 finishes in those six games, including three top five and the tight end two finish in week 13. He also went six for 92 in the playoff game against Tampa Bay. So five out of those seven games after the trade probably means the arrow is pointing up for Goddard. He's a guy that they trust in that offense. Again, he finished 2021 as the tight end now, currently the tight end eight in ADP behind uh, Pat Fryermuth, who I'd much rather have Goddard at this point. We'll talk more about Fryermuth in a moment. He just turned 27. He signed through 2025, mm-hmm. which is his age 30 season. I like him as a dump-off option, especially if we're on board with Jalen Hurts being the guy behind center in Philadelphia. I like Goddard a lot as well. Um, he's another guy whose price um, has has not gone crazy. In fact, his January ADP is the exact same ADP, exact, that it was one year ago this month, or one year ago last month, I guess I should say. So his value, even with the Earth's trade, even with the impressive uh, back half of the season, once Ertz was gone, value hasn't changed. I, I think we, we've started to think of him, and instead of the young guy with upside, uh, 
dynasty managers are just thinking of him as kind of that ho-hum option Hunter Henry range, and I think he's much more than that. Uh, I, I would say I, I think he benefited this past season from uh, from what our buddy Matt always talks about as far as being one of the top two targets on his team. He certainly was that along with uh, along with Devontae Smith. So there's maybe a little bit of concern that uh, I've seen the Eagles, you know, I think they have multiple first round picks. If they use one of those on, on one of these wide receivers, if Goddard's moving down the pecking order, especially with, with Jalen hurts under center, that's a little bit of a concern, but, but at the price range, he's at both ADP and existing or uh, trades in existing leagues. Uh, I, I think it's still worth a shot. All I heard while you were saying that there, Ryan, was yeah. that his value might dip even more later this offseason. So I, 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 I can just buy him chance. again. <laughs> there is a chance. Well, when we talk about tight ends that we are targeting, we should also talk about those that we might be selling this offseason, Ryan. Uh, you went with the slam dunk of the group. Yeah, I, I took the chalk here. Travis Kelsey. Uh, I mean, he's... All you need to really know is he's 32 years old and he still is commanding uh, significant, uh, significant returns in trades. Uh, in looking at ADP really quickly, he's tied in four, 43 overall. But looking at some trades from the Trade Finder, Kelsey for a first and a second, Kelsey for Lamar Jackson in a Superflex league, Kelsey for DK Metcalf, Kelsey Rondell- in a Superflex league. For Kelsey. Lamar in a super flex, yes. Oh my goodness! That it was it was tight end premium. To be fair, uh, it, uh, but still, still, I'd easily rather have Lamar Jackson there, and then Kelsey Rondell Moore and a second rounder for Kyle Pitts. I'm paying that price for Pitts. Yeah. Wow. Holy cow. I guess we did have to endure a little bit of Kyle Pitts talk. Uh, we, we've talked Sorry. a lot about his ADP, and it's at 43, which is the lowest it has been. Uh, wow, since all the way back in November of 2017, when it was 42 point, I guess that's not even low enough, 42.5. In 2016, 56.75 was his ADP uh, in November of 2016. So it's it's slowly uh, dying off here. And I would expect this offseason, Ryan, that it continues to do that. So if you're, if maybe up, up until... August, maybe even September 1st when the when the um, season is right around the corner, this value is going to continue to dip as people get excited about draft picks. There might be some opportunities to really cash in uh, right before the season. But if you're selling Kelsey, it's probably a little too late, right? It definitely could be. I mean, you, you look at the tight ends below him in our ADP, uh, I mean, TJ Hawkinson kind of stands out. We're talking about an eight-year age difference. Can you get Hawkinson for Kelsey right now, even up? Um, probably some, yeah, that, that's a maybe, right? Like some leagues, yes, some leagues, no. Uh, definitely not a slam dunk. I, I think maybe the most interesting pivot is going from Kelsey to Waller, uh, which Darren Waller kind of gets thrown in that old tight end group as well, but he's still three years younger than Kelsey. Uh, he's going to be one of those guys who is the top uh, one or two targets on his team, uh, no matter really no matter what the Raiders do this offseason, I think. So that's kind of a safe pivot pivot that buys you a couple years. It's not necessarily a, a flashy move. Uh, but outside of those two guys, 
I don't know. I'm not moving him for Friar Muth, and I, I like Goddard and Knox, but I would want a little more there. Mm-hmm. So, um, kind of like you were saying, you almost have to go to uh, draft picks or uh, or just a different uh, a different position. Speaking of another position, I, g- I got a call from a friend of mine. I know we're we're done with the the trade segment of the show, but uh, just yesterday I heard Travis Kelsey or Elijah Moore straight up. Which side do you want, Ryan? I want Elijah Moore. Pretty, pretty yeah, easily. I told him. Yeah, I, I did too. Um, buying all those years and the the upside that Moore showed, I that's what I said as well. So, Greg, you you heard it from both of us, I guess. Um, the guy I highlighted here was might be a surprise to some because I've talked very highly of Pat Fryermuth. Sixty catches. 497 yards and seven touchdowns on 79 targets. Tight end 11 on the season. He had six tight end one finishes spread out throughout the season. Scored 151.7 fantasy points, Ryan. And I, I did a little bit of digging on Fryermuth because it felt like a lot of his, his fantasy scoring came from scoring touchdowns. In fact, 27.7% of his fantasy scoring came from, from finding the end zone. That was... That was he was one of three tight end ones that 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 were over twenty seven percent. The others Hunter Henry at thirty two point nine percent, and then the aforementioned Dawson Knox at thirty three point one. That feels like numbers that shouldn't be repeated over and over to be able to get that many points from scoring touchdowns. Uh, the average of the top 12, 19.7, and that includes Pitts, who is just 3.4% of his production came from finding Pater. So, you know, it, it feels to me that there are too many miniature red flags when it comes to Fryermuth. The quarterback situation, uh, the, the other weapons that, that are there in Pittsburgh. But the main reason that I'm willing to s- sell Fryermuth, Ryan, is because I can't see a path to him being more valuable than where he is right now. You mentioned where the, some of the names around him. Uh, Goddard was just one spot below him. I mentioned that earlier. So he's at tight end seven in ADP right now. He's mixed in there with with Goddard and um, Goddard and Noah Fant. And I would much rather have Goddard. I'd much rather have uh, Fryermuth than Fant. But there is a line between those two guys, Goddard and Fryermuth, because I think the the ceiling is capped a little bit. And with the red flags that are in Pittsburgh right now, it just feels to me like maybe Fryermuth is is coming up on a on a sophomore slump type season, and I want to get out before that happens. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that. Um, I, I especially like your point that. This this might be about the value ceiling for Pat Fryermuth. Tight end seven uh, overall. A- another conversation I've heard. I mentioned some some redraft uh, data earlier. Some conversation I've heard from players who are doing some of these early redraft leagues, especially best ball leagues. And it's it's a common theme that we hear almost every year: elite tight end or just wait. Right. So. Take your elite tight end early, and and in Dynasty, we're talking, of course, Pitts or Andrews or Kittle, uh, and then you can kind of decide how you're going to value Kelsey and Waller and those guys. But beyond that, if you're not spending a, a top five round pick on a tight end, then then just wait it out because this year alone we had breakout years from from Dawson Knox and from uh, Dalton Schultz and, and, and a couple other guys in that range, 
and it's going to happen every single year. So if I don't have one of those elite guys that I really value and want to build my team around, I'm likely just, just going to wait it out. I'm not spending uh, a seventh or eighth or even ninth round pick on, on a guy like Fryermuth. And when I look at some of the other players in that range, not just tight ends, but uh, I mean, Rondell Moore is, is just ahead of him. Kadarius Tony just behind I, I'm I'm going with a, a different position altogether there in a startup draft. And and then you're investing in another tight end later on in that startup draft. And you're taking your shots on guys like Irv Smith Jr. and and Cole Komet and uh Evan Ingram who who we're hoping gets a bounce back. And you know, if you need a veteran guy, you can get Logan Thomas or or Zach Ertz for a year or two. Though that feels like the better overall philosophy to me, Ryan, if you're going to invest uh, a draft pick in, in the eighties and Fryermuth is on the board, if you can't get Goddard after that, I'm, I'm probably pivoting to other positions and, and grabbing one of those running backs or wide receivers to build my team around. Yep. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the DLF dynasty podcast. We missed Matt, but we'll be, he'll be back again next week. We are going to kick off our every single week series, highlighting one incoming rookie. We're going to, we're going to kick things off with, uh, Traylon Burks, Traylon Burks, uh, big time wide receiver prospect out of Arkansas. We're all very excited about, we're watching him this week. We'll get you all that data coming up, uh, on next week's episode. So for Ryan, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF dynasty podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF dynasty podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.